Hyatt. This is Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco 89.5 FM. I'm Jamal Dejani. My co-host Jessica Nam is uh, traveling today, but we have a lot to talk about. And we are delighted to have in our studio Dr. Rabab Abdelhadi to discuss several of our topics. Uh, welcome to Arab me. Talk, uh, Rabab. So I'm going to start first with the Israeli elections. And then when we talk about the Israeli elections, I just want to, you know, at least make it clear that this is from a Palestinian perspective and why we're going to be discussing it from a Palestinian perspective and the significance of, of this. So just a quick summary, and I'm sure for many of our uh, listeners and viewers on, on Facebook Live, and I'd like also to, to welcome our uh, viewers on Facebook Live, um, for those who have been following or maybe not following uh, these uh, elections, and I think, you know, they were presented as a high drama, but to me, they ended up in, into an anti-climax because the top-line results, there is no clear winner. Even though, you know, I mean, for one thing, neither the right-wing bloc led by the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu nor the center, this is how Israel describes these uh, blocs led uh, by former military chief of staff Benny Gantz, commanded a majority of the 120 seats in the 22nd Knesset. So neither one, well, Gantz has a slight advantage as of, I think, earlier today, he leads by two seats or two votes uh, in in, in that case. But neither one basically reached the 61 majority to be a clear winner. And so just uh, then other things also happened, uh, just to give a, you know, just an idea about the parliamentarian uh, concept uh, or system that Israel uh, has. Uh, You need need 61 votes to be the clear winner. Neither one reached that. 98% of the votes have been counted as of of today. And then the interesting thing, the Arab bloc came third, Mm -hmm. and and some have have been describing this as a win. To Palestinians with Israeli passports that they went out, and we'll talk about this also. I want to talk about this if this actually was the silver lining as it has been uh, described in uh, the Israeli media. So I'm just quickly taking a glance here at the last count. You know, from left to right, you have the blue and white, which is Gantz with 33 in total, and then the Likud, Netanyahu with 31. But then on his side, he has the Yamina party, seven votes, the Chas, nine votes, eight votes from the the Jewish party, the UTS party. And then Israel Beituna, mm-hmm. which is Avigdor Lieberman's party. And, and many people are saying now, well, Avigdor Lieberman is going to be now the uh, the the kingmaker in this, and then the blue, white, and white, which is Gantz, uh, Party Thirty Three, the Labour. Uh, Avigdor Lieberman got eight, right? Uh, Avigdor Lieberman got eight. The yeah. Joint List Thirteen, mm-hmm. the Democratic Union five, the Labour Gesher six, and of course the blue and white. So this is mm-hmm. basically the the makeup that we have with ninety eight percent, and probably will stay the the same. So 
Uh, I just want to take your take from a yeah. Palestinian yeah. perspective on it. How do you see this? I think uh, I think if we can maybe like just break it down a little bit. The Knesset has 120 seats. Right. The Knesset is the Israeli parliament that only dates as far as 1948. There was no Knesset before. This is something that is not doesn't seem uh, to be a very long time phenomena. Uh, as you said, uh, the the party that wins, that is able to form a government, needs 61 seats. So then the, the, in the Knesset, there is always sort of debating back and forth. So the U.S. media, the dominant media in the U.S., has been looking at it in terms of what's happening as the whole question of whether Lieberman is the, the kingmaker, uh, what is the position of where is Netanyahu at, and, and then when they discuss the, the Palestinian uh, union. I mean, it's, it's called the Arab, the Arab Unified List, Joint List. Uh, they don't actually say Palestinian at all. I have not seen any discussions about Palestinians. It says Arab, and actually today the New York Times even has a, an editorial, op- open editorial by the editor of the Jewish Press, who says it is between the Haredi, which is the religious, the Orthodox religious uh, Jews, and the Muslim Arabs. And I kept, I, I. I just didn't have a chance to even comment on it and say, you know, Palestinians are not just Muslims. There are all also, and it's not just Muslim Arabs. They are actually Palestinians, and there are a lot of other issues in the elections that are not being talked about. One main issue is that you're talking about debate between Zionist parties and debate between Likud on one hand and Gans on the other, Netanyahu and Gans. And when they say center-left, actually, Gans is not very much center-left. If you want to only talk about... The Gans was uh, mobilizing in the in April 9th elections as well as two days ago in, in September 17th, was mobilizing and trying to build support in, in terms of saying, I killed most Palestinians. I mean, this is... He was bragging about yeah, it. He was bragging about it. This, this is the way he was mobilizing. Then he goes and he appears... Uh, in in several um, uh, Palestinian areas and speaks to the Palestinian press. But then even the New York Times and every all the, the, the mainstream bundes in the U.S., the way they describe it is that, oh, Gans is making overtures towards, quote-unquote, the Arabs, the Palestinians. He's going to fight crime. He's going to give more hospital beds for Palestinians. And this is kind of what he was talking about. And then so the question is nobody even asked about... A, first of all, are the Palestinians the only people in Israeli society who need hospital beds? Are Palestinians the only ones in Palestinian Israeli society who need crime and so on? And then you talk further about it, which actually resembles a lot the way discussions of U.S. elections happen in the sense that Palestinian demands and Palestinian concerns get reduced to only some kind of uh, crumbs that you get off the table without actually recognizing and acknowledging that you're talking about the Zionist debate between different Zionist groups that is sitting on top of the Palestinians. It is Palestinians inside Israel are the only ones who are uh, allowed to participate in Israeli elections. Israel controls what um, almost 5 million Palestinians under its rule between the 1948 areas, the Palestinians who vote. The p- people in the West Bank, people in in uh, in, uh, in Gaza, and even Jerusalem that was annexed by Israel to Israel has uh, the the people who live in Jerusalem are not voting. So actually, a you're talking about a very small number of Palestinians. B you're not talking about the serious issues there. You're talking about the question of colonialism, question of apartheid, question of racism. 
three is that the Palestinian uh, concerns are represented in the media as if Palestinians are only concerned about a couple of uh, socioeconomic issues that do not concern the, the, the uh, Jewish electorate or um, other people. The other thing that I think is really missing from the elections, not only from a Palestinian perspective, but if we think about the whole question of wh what represent, who represents Jewishness, what is Jewishness, including in Israel. It is a very Eurocentric, very Ashkenazi, middle-class perspective. So I think, I think there is something really problematic in the way that it is discussed. And it reminds me of the way U.S. elections are discussed. Only Republicans and Democrats, unless you, until you have a real issue that gets discussed, then it's forced upon uh, the, the ministry. So the question is, is that uh, whether it's going to be Netanyahu or Gans who will be forming the government, and all the Zionist pundits are saying it should be a national unity government. So well, that's what, you, what you know, yeah. Netanyahu has been calling for. And, and, and Gans uh, and, and Lieberman is saying, yes, he wants national unity because he says that Palestinians cannot be part of it. And then and he talks about also the Orthodox Jews and so on. So it's very different, two different kind of like ways of looking at it. On one hand, it's sort of like excluding any religious groups within Israel, which I actually think is quite discriminatory. I don't agree with the, with, with the right-wingers who are, were trying to colonize more of Palestine, but it's actually religious discrimination if you can you want to exclude number one but when you say no Palestinians are going to be involved no Arabs involved and so on and this is we need national unity when you say what do you mean by nation and what do you mean by unity on what basis are you talking about that this is the stuff that remains hidden this is the stuff that doesn't get discussed so you're you wanna yeah. no no I, I wanna I wanna actually just break it down a little mm -hmm. bit more so at least people have a clear idea about when we talk about these elections and when we talk about the, uh, you know, the inclusion or not the inclusion of Palestinians right. in this formula and why, uh, you know, because some voices will say, look, you know, look at it. Israel is a democracy. Right. Number one. It's and the these are democracy. No, no, the and these are arguments. Yes, I, yeah. I want to put these valid arguments right. that people put right. on the table and they'll say. In Israel, you have more parties than, than, than what you have right here in the United States, right. you know, between yeah. Democrats and Republicans, mm -hmm. you have... And proportional representation. Multi, yeah, proportional exactly. Representation. So you oh, have yeah, this, yeah, and this, yeah. is, this is the beauty about the parliamentarian system. You don't mm -hmm. have mm -hmm. one dominant person mm -hmm. uh, taking, you know, winner takes yes. it all, you know, that, that kind of thing. So, mm -hmm. so when you look at this argument and then the other part of the argument they say for the first time and this is the silver lining mm. that now even the Israeli media is trying to kind of put out there that hey more of course they refer to Palestinians as Arab Israelis mm -hmm. more Arab Israelis are going and voting and now they're the third Largest block in the Knesset. Largest block in, in, you know, they can actually yes. be the, the leader of the opposition. Right. In which, which there is a major argument about this, which also shows, you know, also see the racist side because they're saying the leader of the opposition receives access to security, access, access briefings, to security yeah. briefings. Are they going to allow yeah, them? Yeah, but I alone said, no way, we're going to yeah. give them diluted reports. We're, yeah. not, only, we're not going to so give them all the So here are they, yeah. so then this also highlights the question of, uh, if they are actually equal citizens mm -hmm. or not. Mm -hmm. That's the whole thing. I mean, yeah. here they, yeah. the leader of the opposition, whether it's in Israel or in the UK, for example, mm -hmm. they receive sensitive of course. Uh, security, security briefings. 
And and so to talk about this, yes. because A, you have the Palestinians with Israeli citizenships. They are about 1.5, 1.6 million. Right. However, Israel controls the land. And I think 64% voted. Yeah, they had a higher... It was about higher, 64, yeah, 64, but last time it was 49, now 64, not 100%. No, no, not 100%. So I think we also need to talk about the people who did not vote as well as the people who voted. Well, Because we're discussing it from a Palestinian perspective. Yeah, well, that's yeah. exactly But mm. then Israel controls the land mm-hmm. between the Mediterranean Sea and the Jordan River. That's right. By air, by land, by sea. Mm-hmm. There is no question yes. about it. All the borders under the control. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's pass that charade that mm-hmm. you have Palestinian, the Palestinian Authority in control. Right. Palestinian right. Authority leadership yeah. cannot leave its own territory without including permission. The president. Including yeah. the president, yes. all the ministers without a special permission. They can't cross from one checkpoint to the other. Without from a one special Palestinian area, a city, yeah. to another Palestinian area, a city. If they get stopped at the checkpoint, that is staffed by Israeli so military. We know, yeah. So we know, mm-hmm. I mean, this is establishing a 100% full Israeli control over right. the land between right. the Mediterranean Sea and mm-hmm. the Jordan River. Yeah. Now, we said 1.6 million Palestinians. But before we even go that, let's just establish one point that when people talk about democracy, there is a big question mark, and they, could, they need to put it between parentheses because even for Jews, there isn't complete democracy. In well, we'll get so, we'll yeah, get yeah. to the weeds mm. later on. See, taking us to the weeds okay. now, but but I want to make it very basic and very simple, mm-hmm. because now you have 1.6 million Palestinians who can vote. Right. The total population of the Palestinians on historic Palestine is about six and a half million. Right. This is 6.2 million to six and a half million. Right. Okay. So you have about 4.5 million Palestinians who are deprived of voting. And why this is very important when people talk about this, when you Mm. talk about Jewish settlers Mm. or Jewish colonial settlers in the West Bank who can vote, Mm -hmm. living really in the midst of Palestinian towns and villages Mm -hmm. and et cetera, they can vote, Mm -hmm. like Area C, for example. They can vote. Mm. Palestinians are not allowed to vote. Residents of Jerusalem who have an Israeli ID and have to pay taxes. Which they pay the Arnona, yeah. the Israeli Arnona tax. Mm-hmm. They are allowed to vote only in municipal elections, so yeah. they can vote for a mayor, for right. example. Mm-hmm. But they are not allowed to vote yes. for uh, the prime minister and, mm-hmm. and so forth. So they are what? Half citizens, quarter citizens, what rights do they have? So they're you look at this, you could poke a lot of holes in no, this. No, they're actually non-citizens. They are, they're but I'm just saying. They're not considered officially citizens. Well, the, the ID, basically, actually, if you read the ID, doesn't even translate into permanent right. residence. Right. It, says, right. it says temporary right. residence. Right. 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 So, and by the way, just to be clear, Israeli uh, um, passports do not acknowledge Palestinians as Arab nationality. They would say Muslim, Druze, Bedouin, but they do not say Christian. They recognize religious and ethnic and locational mm-hmm. identification, but they actually do not recognize Arabness as an identity, let alone Palestinian. So that's not even acknowledged. I mean, you could, you could be Jewish and you would be Israeli, but you are not. There is no such thing as Arab. Or Palestinian. That doesn't even exist. So no, no, they never use the word. For, for yes, one thing, yes, they never yeah. use the word Palestinians. Mm-hmm. So why we're having this discussion, what I'm saying mm-hmm. is, is to clarify when Palestinians are up in arms and they're mm-hmm. complaining, say, 
or using the word apartheid, mm-hmm. which it is, right. and that they have been denied the, the right, you know, to choose. Yes. And they have no voice in these elections and why it, it is very important for Palestinians because at the end of the day, I actually would feel funny to tell you the truth to be the expert, which, by the way, U.S. media does not shy away from bringing all kinds of experts that never been to the country or they're not they part of the communities yes, or anything. Yes, yes. But I actually will be hesitant, let's say, to be the expert on Egyptian elections. Right. I'd rather have right. an Egyptian talk about, right. Right. you know, and I will, we will, I will be bringing someone, an Israeli colleague of mine, uh, hopefully at some point to speak uh, about the Israeli elections right. from yeah. their own perspective. Mm-hmm. But because... Palestinians live on the land and they are part of the population, today's Mm -hmm. population, which is about 13 million people, half Mm -hmm. the population, if not more. And they, 4.5 million of them have been excluded. Then it's very important for us to discuss it. Right, right. Yes, of course. And I think it's really important to also discuss uh, how, uh, what happened, how did the Palestinians participate in the elections, who participated, because I think, and again, from a Zionist propaganda viewpoint here, Hasbara, it is presented that, look, we allow, we, the Zionists, allow the Arabs to vote, so we are the most democratic place. We're doing them a favor. So, yeah, and then the, the whole thing, there is meant multiple problems with this statement. One is that it is it ignores the fact that Israel is established on Palestine, on top of Palestine. It, it, it ignores the fact that Palestinians, in, the people who voted, the 64% of the Palestinians inside Israel who voted, actually do not have many rights. They don't have many rights, including even Palestinians who serve in the Israeli military. And the numbers are less and less, but even those who serve in the Israeli military don't have rights to be able to stop their homes from being destroyed, to be able to get permits to build. Uh, Palestinians in the Nokob area, for example, from the Bedouin community who do have Israeli citizenship and some serve in the Israeli military, they could not stop the Israeli state from destroying their villages and locating them, forcibly locating from one place to the other. It did not really work. So when you talk about the whole question of uh, Israeli democracy and representation and so on, it's a facade. And the reason I keep also talking about it because, and I know we're not not talking yet about San Francisco state, but we we did have two two days ago on uh, September 16th and 17th, the SFSU Constitution Day Conference, and we were actually talking about citizenship and Constitution in the United States, and we have an indigenous scholar, we had an African-American scholar, we have multiple people talking about what does it mean to have the promise for representation. Israel does not have a Bill of Rights, does not have a constitution, does not want to define what it is about, and so on. So that's even absent. But even if you think about the promise of citizenship, there is a lot of discussions. Do people belong? Do they not belong? How do they deal with it? And the reason I'm mentioning that in response to Palestinians inside Israel is that I believe there is multiple reasons for the vote. I think it's really important to also remember that 64%, that means that, what is it, uh, 36% did not participate? Mm-hmm. 30, yeah, 36% did not participate. And people who do not participate, there are very multiple reasons for the Palestinians inside Israel to decide to participate or not. Last year, when we did the delegation during the Teaching Palestine conference, we met with many uh, Knesset members, including Hanin Zoubi. And Hanin Zoubi... She quit. She quit, yeah. And so she was, we were asking her, because she ran in, in, in April, and she was saying 
that she's not allowed to speak in the Knesset. She cannot produce, uh, introduce bills. She cannot debate bills. She's completely banned by her fellow Knesset members, for her fellow MPs. And so we were asking, there is a big debate in, among Palestinians to participate or not to participate. If you participate, are you making it possible to legitimize Israel and say that this is an Israeli democracy. If you don't participate, what does it mean? So I think people are really mixed up about participating or not. Part, part of the part, people who did not participate did not participate for political reasons. I mean, some people do not recognize Israeli legitimacy at all and refuse to participate, and there are larger numbers. And some people participated because Netanyahu made a lot of racist statements talking about Arabs. Yeah. Well, this is a segue because actually, and then I'll, I'll uh, hold that thought. Uh, I want to go over some of these racist statements right. by the entire Israeli and uh, yes. leadership and the different leaders at different who, times, at different times, yes. and and trying to intimidate uh, basically the uh, Palestinian population. And I'll start with Netanyahu. So Netanyahu made it clear. This is a quote from Netanyahu. He said, "Israel isn't a state of all its citizens. Israel is the nation state of the Jewish people." And it alone. Mm-hmm. So, so I'll have you comment on the state of all the citizens versus the Jewish state. Mm-hmm. The, uh, then the uh, Gans, who might be the new prime minister, and I think he, he will. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think even for the Israeli public, they are looking for a change. Mm-hmm. But when, it, Especially if you leave it to... He has uh, more seats anyway, you know. and he's more able to... Well, also, I think, the, I think yeah. if it goes to the president, mm-hmm. uh, he will ask Gans to, for, to, to try first to form the government. Mm-hmm. And so this is uh, what he was bragging about, six to two. Uh, 6,231 targets were destroyed, and that's talking about hitting uh, Gaza. Mm-hmm. Parts of Gaza were sent back to the Stone Age. I mean, he's a military man. Mm-hmm. He only kind of answers to, f- to force and power, and that's his background. Mm-hmm. Then you have the kingmaker Avigdor. who can make and break this whole coalition because if Avigdor Lieberman mm-hmm. decides to go back to Netanyahu's lap, mm-hmm. Netanyahu will be the prime minister, so he can make that choice. And Avigdor Lieberman, he said, those who are against us, meaning about the Palestinians with Israeli passports, deserve to have their heads chopped off with an axe. I mean, this guy wants a violent... He's a very peaceful man. Yeah, yeah. So this is Avigdor Lieberman. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Sheked, Mm -hmm. she said... What's so horrifying about understanding that the entire Palestinian people is the enemy. She was asking this as a question. So she's saying Palestinians with the citizens of Israel are also the enemy. And then Bennett, Mm -hmm. he said, I've killed lots of Arabs in my life. There is no problem with that. Mm -hmm. So these are, I'm just using these sound bites, and uh, we don't have the sound bites, so I'm reading them. But these are at different times, starting with uh, Netanyahu. So Netanyahu, basically, his party, the Likud, They've taken the position to say, and, and they've been pushing. And he said, Zionists, he said, we're going to form a Zionist. Uh, this is this is a place for yeah. Zionists. is not a place. Yeah, so they're saying to you, this yeah. is, uh, we're not yeah. talking about democracy. We're not talking about a state for all its citizens, because that's the definition of a democracy, really. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, if you're not Jewish, you don't mm-hmm. have a place there. Mm-hmm. You could live there, but you're not going to be you're not going to be on an equal footing. Even though you're indigenous, you're actually living temporarily and tentatively 
and on contingent basis. So you actually never know when your homes are going to be destroyed. And Palestinian homes have been known to be destroyed again and again and again. And I'm not talking about the Palestinians in the 67 areas of the West Bank and Gaza. I'm not talking about Sur Bahir that was destroyed last month, a building of 100 families living in it that actually had a permit. I'm talking about Palestinians who are Israeli citizens. These are the same people who participated in the elections, whose homes keep getting destroyed again and again, and who don't receive permits to be able to build and so on. While Netanyahu, I want to remind our listeners, I know you know this, Jamal, is that uh, in the summer he also authorized many more uh, colonies, many more housing units in the, in the settlements, in the colonies. So it is not only that he was threatening what he was going to do if elected because he was actually appealing to uh, the settler base. It's exactly I, as, as Trump, whenever he talks about all these races, makes all the racist, racist state, statements against the undocumented, against the, the congresswomen, the four uh, black, uh, the four women of color congresswomen, uh, when he made the statements about, uh, against Elijah Cummings and so on, he was also appealing to a particular white supremacist base. So it's very similar. And I think it's really important for people in the U.S. who are listening to this to also not think because because the way the U.S. media and the U.S. especially supportive of Zionist media, that they're t- they try to present it as if Israel is an exception. Israel is, the, is, a, is a democracy among a sea, a sea of uh, despot Arabs. Israel is making the desert bloom. Israel is doing this and this. So what happens is that people stop the comparative analysis in their mind and they go to a place where they treat Israel exceptionally unlike other states. And what we're trying to do is to make, to say, we want to treat Israel like any other state. We want to hold it to the same accountability, the same principles, and look at its elections and so on like any other state that is part of the states of the world and also look at what is happening in terms of colonialism, in terms of uh, uh, take appropriation of all Palestinian rights, whether it is you're talking about the indigenous Palestinians, you're talking about the colonialism, you're talking about occupation, and you're talking about racism. So all of this stuff is there. So it's the statements are, and it's very interesting because the U.S media only talks about the statement when it comes to questions about debate between various Zionist leaders in Israel. The rest of the time, we don't hear anything about that. Like nobody is, and the statements are happening all the time. Every single day they're taking place. If you follow the news, if you follow alternative media, you know it's going on. I mean, one of the main things that just happened, what is it, two days ago, in the Haaretz, which is the liberal Zionist newspaper, its cultural editor, made very, very racist statements about Palestinians, you know, talking, saying that Palestinians should be vomited out. I mean, this is one of the liberal places. So this is the kind of discourse that is taking place among Israeli Zionist Jews. And I think it's really important for us to keep that in mind. Right. I, we have a lot of things to talk about. I want one final comment. Maybe uh, let's make that brief because we have other topics. I'd like to talk about the Canadian Prime Minister blackface uh, incident or several incidents. I also like to talk about what's going on on uh, right locally right here on, uh, on campus in San Francisco State University in an update on your case there. Yes. And uh, the last question about uh, the Israeli elections is how do you see the uh, 13 seats gained by the Palestinians uh, with Israeli citizenship? Yeah. Is this uh, good or is, it, is participation good? And 
or I will say, or not? I, all, I, I will say let's talk about this contingent, contingent, contingently in the sense that we can, it, it shows the power of the bloc, but also let's not forget that the Arab list is not even unified. I mean, people do not. It's a unified list that ran for elections that basically ran to defy the racism of Netanyahu. Now, when you when you finish with that, that people, 64% again, and I want to remind people that 36% did not vote, okay? That's really important. And within the 64%, there isn't necessarily agreement on everything. One of the major issues is about what is the legitimacy of Zionism in the state of Israel. Where are the Palestinian leaders standing in that? And every and this is and it's it's a very tenuous position for Palestinians for a Palestinian to be an Israeli citizen because on one hand you have the citizenship and it is something that has been you have gotten it as a result of the colonization of your land. So on 19, May 15, 1948 you stop being a Palestinian indigenous to Palestine and you become seen as a minority in the settler colonial state that occupies your land. And then you are placed under military curfew, martial law from 1948, 1966. But yeah. then it continues again, because if you look at the history of the Palestinians in Israel, the imprisonment, everything that has happened, the chasing, the, the racism, it's all in there. So quickly, so is it good yeah. or bad? I know we have... I'm I, Okay, on one hand, I'm happy that they got 13% of the electorate, but at the same time, I really want to hold that tentatively and not just be completely enthusiastic about that because we are dealing with a racist state that is never ever, as long as it is the state as long as Israel is a state of the Jews and not a state for all its citizens there will never ever be equality for the Palestinians, they will never be full citizens, they will never ever be able to walk without looking over their shoulders. You're listening to the voice of Dr. Rabab Abdelhadi, the director of Ahmed program at San Francisco State University where very delighted to have her here for the full hour. This is Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco 89.5 FM. And I want to now switch gears because this is something sure. I know you talk about. You you teach it, yes. really. We talk about Orientalism yes. and racism and whatever under those categories. So my question, of course, just a reminder to our listeners. because I, I thought I wasn't going to talk about this and I said, no, this is too important not to kind of ignore it. No. You know, uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau apologized again today uh, for wearing blackface. Now we found out in three... Blackface with a turban. Yeah, yeah, but, but actually there yeah. are three different occasions. Uh-huh. This was uh-huh. the one, the first story that was broke by the Times mm. uh, magazine. And, and so then another video surfaced and he's just running around just with a blackface, mm-hmm. another event. So now he apologized again uh, for now. We know the three separate incidents. And he said that he did not know how many times he had put on racist makeup. So he actually, because now we know we started with one now. We have three incidents. And uh, and so I've been monet- monitoring the debate, including I posted the picture and asked the question actually mm-hmm. to my followers on Facebook. You know, is this racism? Is this Orientalism? Is it ignorance or all of the above? 
It is all and, of the above. Yeah. And some people answered mm-hmm. all of the above, and others were, no, you know, you're taking it too much. Uh, they, he was young. Uh, this, it was a party. It was this. And they were making excuses. And then many of the comments who came in his support, by the way, mm-hmm. and I appreciate all comments. I, I actually appreciate my followers on Facebook because they're all over the country. And these came from Canadians. And they came from Muslim Canadians mm-hmm. who were defending him vehemently. And they were saying, he's like very liberal. He has a Muslim um, uh, on his cabinet and he has, uh, he reached out to the Sikhs community. So he has a very diverse, why are you being uh, hard on him? And I said, I'm not being hard. I'm just stating the news, the facts. You should be hard on him. You know. I mean, people should be held accountable for their actions. And I think if you reverse, I mean, if it's, this is again, this is, this is quite racist. And the blackface and the turban is both racist and oriented. And oriented well, this is and the, people don't understand. It yes. seems we had yeah. we we've seen that yeah. in the yeah. of course the Supreme Court's judge hearing, right, right, right. Kavanaugh. Right. Also, the same thing with the blackface mm-hmm. and others, mm-hmm. right? And there seems to be a lot of people don't realize the significance of this. And Can I you explain I, the significance of it? Because people don't know the history. They don't know the history of what is called minstrelsy, I think, minstrel show, that uh, um, in, the, in the early, late 19th century, early 20th century, actors, especially in vaudeville, would go around entertaining crowds and painting their faces black. And it was in... in um, uh, borrowing on all the racist stereotypes against the African-American community, against black community. It was reinforcement of stereotypes around the various ones that we know about. And it was, the, so you always would question, hey, why don't you actually have black actors playing black faces, number one. Secondly, why is it, what is it that allows members of a dominant community to feel entitled to use the lives to appropriate, to steal the lives of other people and also distort them in a very racist way. Why is that? And then the third question then comes up. When that happens, when this entitlement of white supremacy continues again and again, this privilege is displayed again and again, and it's quite offensive and it's quite racist, why is it that people justify that people could get away with it. I don't understand. I don't understand why is it for, in every other case, I think in every, any, any time you hear anything anti-Semitic, anything Islamophobic, anything racist against African-Americans, anything against uh, immigrants, against uh, Latin, Latinx people, Asian-Americans, indigenous people, anywhere around the world, it's very offensive and people should be held accountable. Yet, there is different ways of treating. Like, look, look at the way Netanyahu's uh, racism is being displayed. 24 hours, his he was uh, his his uh, thing was was uh, suspended on Facebook. That's it. That's it. He wasn't banned forever and ever. So, but then and then this is this is I I'm afraid that this this um, this thing will pass with Trudeau because there are a lot of people saying his liberalism justifies, and nothing justifies one injustice does not justify another injustice. We need to hold people accountable on all forms of uh, justice and injustice. So it is not okay. And by the way, I need to say also that there have been many uh, in, in universities across uh, across the United States and Canada and elsewhere, students who have also been doing this. And this is at the same time that white supremacy is rising and, and militant 
violent militias are actually growing and growing. And so at the same time that there were frat boys and people in Halloween and so on playing, whether they're painting blackface or they were doing all the Orientalist things about Arabs and Palestinians and, and third world people and so on, you also, many of the kids in black uh, students and so on, they'll find the noose outside their door. Uh, many uh, Palestinian uh, students have been attacked on campus. Many students who support justice in for Palestine, whether they are Palestinian or non-Palestinian, have also been targeted and attacked and, and silenced. So this stuff is going on. And I think if we are really serious about confronting racism, we need to hold people accountable. It is not okay for somebody to say, oh, I was young. Why? Why? Well, actually, why did actually, you care to do to do it when you were young? And he wasn't that young. Oh. He was an adult. And uh, actually, the first time, the first the, the picture came, which was kind mm. of strange because mm. it was right after two thousand one. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we're talking about the 21st century. We're, and not we're talking, talking about, about after 9/11, and, and exactly. One, and so and then and then later and then he had it. He, he you know now we have at least three incidents where mm. and now he he says he admits to those three mm. incidents mm. Mm. because so we haven't seen the rest. Yeah. We haven't seen the rest. Yeah. And I do appreciate but that he actually. But one incident is a problem. But I actually I do one. appreciate that yeah. he apologized. Mm. I do appreciate that he apologized and said I didn't know that this was a racist act. And now I understand. He said that. He said that he didn't know that. He didn't take our classes. He, yeah, exactly. And so that's why yeah. I kind of like put a lot of it on the uh, ignorance aspect of mm. things, which is uh, very sad. Ignorance that's enabled by privilege and entitlement. And part of the yeah. Orientalism that mm -hmm. Edward Said yeah. talks about. Yes. And then, but I was actually surprised by his defenders. Mm. I mean, that, that kind of surprised me because just because... And this is just because he's a liberal. That's at least how they see him. Doesn't it? Just doesn't justify. Does, doesn't justify. Doesn't justify. And so, I, I think this is also another aspect of things that we teach about Franz Fanon, and uh, and with all due respect to the to people who are defending him on your on your uh, follow and you, among your followers, this is internalized colonialism. When you actually accept and justify for people who are actually quite racist against us, justify their behavior. Because they are liberal. Why can't they be liberal and also not racist? Why do they have to be either or? Why is it? This is, and, it's, and I'm not even, I don't want to reverse the equation and say, why is it that we are held to a higher standard? Because everybody should be held to a higher standard. I don't want to say that it's okay to do it in terms of any other people. And it's okay for our communities to do it. It's not okay for anybody to do it. If we stand for justice, we stand for justice for all. No ifs or buts about it. So I want to also switch gears now because we have uh, about 15 minutes left and mm. I want to talk about uh, get your updates on what's going on with San Francisco State University. Mm. And for our listeners, we've talked about it several times and you've actually uh, won a monumental case where the Lawfare Project and other organizations uh, basically almost 1, lawyers. With, with their thousand lawyers and multi-million dollars spent mm. on uh, taking you to court along with San Francisco State University yes. and uh, for the third time. Yes. And until they lost the case. In a federal court. And it was, it yes. was taken, uh, basically, uh, they lost with prejudice. Mm -hmm. This yes. was the decision by Judge Oreck. Right. And in October 2008. Yeah, and then mm -hmm. so we said, well, that's the end of it. Now mm -hmm. they learned their lesson. Mm -hmm. And apparently, they have not. 
because uh, recently, let me just start with at least one story. There is a group now, a whole new group. Every time it's a, it's a, it's, this is based actually on a headline on the J Weekly, mm-hmm. a Jewish group's alleged SFSU professor, meaning you violating state laws through misuse of department Facebook page. This mm-hmm. is, you know, mm-hmm. and 80 Jewish groups, which I wanted to comment on the signatories, yes, yes. are signatories on a letter alleging that San Francisco State University Associate Professor Rabab Abdelhad is violating California law by using a Facebook page. And so on. And anyway, uh, they sent a letter. A letter that was organized by this uh, dubious group called the Amcha Initiative yes, yeah. uh, at uh, Santa Cruz, uh, which they say they are a nonprofit uh, group uh, that investigates anti-Semitism on college campuses. Mm-hmm. And I'll actually comment on Amcha, right. and then others from the Horowitz people to. Kind of the, the, the same watch, the yes. same yeah. group now they're trying mm-hmm. a different way yeah. to basically harass you, mm-hmm. report you to the president of uh, uh, by the way, they're going after the new president of yes. San Francisco State University, mm-hmm. even though they've taken you to court, yes. spent and failed. millions of dollars yes. and they failed and yeah. now they just collect a bunch of signatures and this is part of this whole harassment of yeah. and trying to silence academic freedom and they're back at it. Mm-hmm. Yes, so let me let me just do a segue between the Israeli elections and the San Francisco state. So uh, amidst what's going on with the Israeli elections, a story escapes about Israel trying to create uh, telefreaks uh, from the, 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 the Jerusalem, one area to the Jerusalem to take them to the... To the old city, mm. destroying the landscape of the old city of Jerusalem and bypassing Palestinian communities in order to take them to what they call the, the city of David. They, may, wanna the make, they want to turn was, Jerusalem into a Disneyland. Yeah, but the city of David is underneath, they claim the city of David is underneath the Palestinian uh, city of Silwan mm-hmm. and the inauguration of quote-unquote the city of David was done by none other than U.S. Ambassador to Israel, Friedman. Now, it's very interesting because this this story gets hidden. But one of the things that I've noticed in this story that one of the biggest advocates for this is none other than Nir Barakat. Nir Barakat is the former mayor of uh, Jerusalem, and he is a very strong member of Likud, who actually came to San Francisco State in April 2016 Invited, he came to, to the Bay Area uh, to raise funds for the APAC, American Israel Anti American Public Affairs Committee, which is a registered uh, lobby for a foreign government for Israel. And then they, they brought him to San Francisco State, SF Hillel, Department of Jewish Studies, and the, the Jewish Community Relations Council. And there was a big protest by students and from various backgrounds at uh, San Francisco State. And he had to basically go in a corner and speak to his very low and so on because students were kept uh, chanting and uh, so what this is one of the incidents by the way around which i was sued and the, and both a university independent investigator was hired to investigate what happened the near barkat uh, affair and came out and said yes the students were protesting against israel they were protesting against they called the mayor Barakat. which is protected under and, the first yeah. amendment and but there was no violence involved and this had nothing to do with jewishness so the whole but then the lawsuit came in 2017 and said that i am involved in creating anti-jewish animus at san francisco state university 
The other one was the, the no, no you right fair where Hillel was not given a table at, the, at, at uh, the, the fair that students felt that this was kind of like inviting ice and they already missed the deadline. So I commented on that and I said, just because you have white privilege does not mean you have to go to every single birthday party. I mean, just like a kid mm-hmm. who you don't have, you don't get invited, you get over it, okay? And, the, and it wasn't anti-Jewish because Jewish Voice for Peace was there. There were a lot of groups organized and so on. In any case, Judge Oreck, in his opinion, 41-page opinion, when he dismissed the lawsuit with prejudice, and they really went at it for 18 months, said just because she's anti-Zionist and support Palestinian resistance does not make her anti-Semitic. He basically tore apart all the arguments that tried to link me, the Ahmed Studies Program, ethnic studies, the 1968 student struck at SFSU, with what they call... um, um, uh, anti-Semitism, and it was all allegations. And by the way, the first group that actually attacked me personally at San Francisco State in 2013 was none other than the Amcha Initiative and its leader, Tammy Benjamin, Tammy Rosman Benjamin, who is now doing this and who has done it, by the way, last month and has done it in 2018 when I criticized President Wang when he said, I welcome Zionists, and I said, this is, this is, this is exclusionary of Arabs, Muslims, Palestinians. Anybody who supports justice, including our Jewish sisters and brothers, for whom, for, to, for whom Israel does not represent, does not speak in their name. And I raised the question of who owns Jewishness. Now, they're very upset about that. Because when I said that then, and this is, this is a continuing, by the way, this is the same coalition. Sometimes they have 60 signatures, sometimes they have 80 signatures, fluctuates, whoever they can get. But if you look at them, there is Israel on Campus Coalition, which is a very shadowy group that has been exposed in the lobby that was uh, on Al Jazeera, that Al Jazeera uh, censored, but then Electronic Intifada got a hold of and put the four parts, I invite people to look at it because it's actually very, um, very sobering about the, the extent of the Israeli Ministry of uh, Strategic Affairs, Sheldon Adelson, the casino mog- uh, uh, mogul and multi-billionaire who's also funding all of this stuff as well as people inside the, the Trump administration outside. The Israel, what we call the Israel. I just want to comment so, yeah. on Amcha mm-hmm. uh, because, uh, you know, we know they have big money behind them mm-hmm. and all these organizations, even though they're shadowy. Mm-hmm. And they're, they were part of a major investigation right. on the forward, yes. uh, which uncovered that the Jewish Community Federation of San Francisco right. and of Los Angeles and mm-hmm. others or Boston, um, uh, Chicago, have funneled York, yeah. in yeah. excess of $300 million to mm-hmm. stoke Islamophobia, mm-hmm. racism, anti-Arab, anti-Palestinian. To Amcha, to Campus and, Watch, to And David one of Horowitz. them is Amcha. Yes, one and to Lawfare. Amcha is one of them. Lawfare is one of them. Turning Point, which is a white supremacist group, all of these groups have been funded. Canary Mission, yeah. Canary yes. Mission, yes. All, all these. And the money rose. The money every single year. And it's very, very interesting because if you track the attacks against us, against me, against the Ahmed Studies Program, against uh, activism on campus, including Palestine-centered activism by Palestinian students, you can see the money is rising and they're funding. So you wonder, why is it that Jewish Community Federation, which is a community organization that prides itself, that actually claims to be for justice, for fairness, for equal, for the only thing that they said is except for Palestine. No, the only thing that they've said now, they've stopped funding the Canary Canary Mission. Mission. Yes, but the others are still being funded. And And also the Helen Diller Foundation was also funding Canary Mission. But when I looked at the list, several of those names, 
They're all, to they're all on the immediately. Yeah. They are part of of this whole the Jewish group. Federation. Yes, and this is this is very problematic. But they're what they are bothered with is that that this and and I believe the reason that they keep attacking attacking us again and again is because they're really trying to 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 silence me. They're trying to get me fired, and they're trying to shut down the Ahmed Studies program and criminalize campus activism, which is all together. I'm, I'm Ahmed Studies talks about justice-centered knowledge production. This is a program that has been academically approved by the Senate of San Francisco State, has been approved by the provost, by the president, went to the uh, CSU. It's been accredited. It's an it's a pro academic program that's accredited with 22 courses that, are, that fulfill general education and so on. They want to silence us because we speak truth to power, because we speak about justice, we teach about justice. They're very bothered with it. So they have one campaign after another. So even though they failed in the lawsuit and by the way the lawfare lawsuit of 2017 that the one that you spoke about that judge oric dismissed with prejudice actually spoke about every single accusation false allegation that amcha wedged against me from the fact that, that they tammy benjamin herself also claimed that i i engage in glorifying the murder of jews now this was non-founded it was it was a, a lie then she came and she accused me of mis, mis, misusing university funds in 2014 and organized also similar groups and it was there are three audits of the of the university were done and all of them proved to be unfounded then she wasn't happy about that she went to the state controller and the university did five year audit of my travel and so it is it continues to happen then when i said uh, and i criticized president wong on zionists are welcome they said the same thing every single time we start making gains at san francisco state and building the program for which i was hired by the way i mean i did not come and impose myself on san francisco state i was heavily recruited to come and build this program i came i'm doing my job I believe that I'm doing my job and they don't want me to do my job because students are learning about Islamophobia. Students are learning about injustices. Students are learning about how justice in for Palestine connects with justice for all people everywhere and they are very bothered with it so amcha by the way this latest campaign also follows on a campaign that they started also in july in july they came up with a campaign because they were very troubled because i went to the queer liberation march and i interviewed people including young jewish trans kids who were wearing the yarmulke and they were there and i said because you know uh, amcha and lofer claim that uh, jewish students on campus cannot walk around wearing the yarmulke because they are very threatened by me so I went and asked the kids, I said, why? Did, and they said, no, we actually we're feeling very okay here. We're, fine. we're very happy in the Palestine contingent and so on. So I posted the banner that queers against Israeli apartheid from New York were holding, which says Zionism equals racism. Uh, uh, Palestine is a queer issue. Di boycott, divest, sanction. They were very, very bothered with it. And then uh, it was posted on the Ahmed uh, um, Facebook page, which is actually an informal uh, Facebook page of Ahmed that was set up by friends and alumni and so on to support Ahmed studies because we don't have resources to be able to improve our website at the university. We have no money. We have no operating budget. We have no staff. I have been stripped of the two faculty members that I've, I've negotiated in my contract. So I'm really trying to make do with whatever. So one of the things we do is we stream things live. We put things everywhere to reach a larger number of people because education and public education.
is our goal. Now, the reason they do this and the reason they get away with it is because San Francisco State has only one third of its funding from the state. The rest of the funding comes from private sources mm-hmm. that are not transparent. So this is how they use not, the leverage. Yeah, and not held accountable. So we don't really know what happens, all the secret stuff that comes in and all the pressure. We do know that the Coret Foundation, for example, gave $1.7 million to San Francisco State and took it back because the Coret Foundation, which is a pro-Zionist or, uh, organization, was not happy with the way the university punished Palestinian students for the Barakat protest. They wanted them to be punished more. Like It's not enough to be put on the Canary Mission. It's not enough to face sexual violence. It's not enough to have your job being called and for you to be fu- to be asked to be fired it's not enough that you actually have had to escort from your job to your car as young kids this is students that is happening to them it's not enough they wanted them to be even uh, further punished and they wanted all the rules to be tightened more at san francisco state yeah so we have a few minutes what's next now i mean they've lost their big case they're still coming back at you Yes. Trying to egg the university, yes. basically yes. going after the new president of the university. I seen article articles actually that started by Amcha, like small blogs, made their way all the way to Israeli media, like the yes, Jerusalem Post. Yes, it's the Jerusalem Post, it's the Times of Israel. It's in every single. But I mean, this campaign has been going on for quite a while, and then the 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 more the more I basic the more we defeat them. The nastier they get. Are you going to quit? No, of course not. Okay, this no. is the question. I mean, I'm not, no. A, a, first of all, I'm not quitting. I, I'm here, I came here to do my job. I'm doing my job. I'm going to continue doing my job, number one. Secondly, I actually sued the university. I have two lawsuits in the university, in federal court and in state court. The university tried to get the university lawyers, which are also paid really well, tried to get the, the lawsuit to be dismissed. And then what happened is that the university, the, 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 the judge refused to dismiss the lawsuit, and now the lawsuit is going forward. So now the judge, have another federal job, now we have two federal judges, right, is saying that actually the lawsuit can go forward. So it is going forward. And now we will see that with the state court, they're supposed to respond about the violations of my labor rights, of my faculty rights, of my protection. And as you know, uh, Jamal, that I've also been receiving death threats and the university is not doing anything about that. Mm. It's basically, but I do, I always believe that there is hope. I wouldn't be here if I didn't believe. And we actually, justice is on our side. Truth is on our side. We have a huge community. We have huge number of students. And I'm talking about community. I'm not talking Arab Muslims and Palestinians. I'm talking about everybody who supports justice. I'm here. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to continue doing my job. I'm an educator. I'm going to continue educate, whether they like it or they don't like it. Of course, they don't like it. And they're going to get nastier and nastier and nastier. The question is, they cannot silence the truth. And they cannot silence us. Well, on that note, they cannot silence the truth. You've been listening to the voice of... Dr. Rabab Abdelhadi, uh, we're always a pleasure to have you. It's never boring. It's never enough time to talk to you. You've been listening to Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco 89.5 FM. If you want to listen to our archived uh, shows, go to our website, arabtalkradio.com, also on our Facebook page. We will talk to you next week. Take it, 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 take it,